0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 216, Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. And Shaq, uh, we've been waiting for this fight for a while, and finally it's going to go down this Saturday night in Vegas.
1: Yeah, man, all the the trash talk's finally going to be over. Tony Ferguson on a nine-fight win streak against uh, one of the top... Well, I mean, he is the top prospect at 155, as far as I'm con- uh, concerned. Now he's a contender, and he's in there fighting for the belt and Kevin Lee. And uh, I'm interested to see if, you know, the boogeyman can drown him, or is Kevin Lee just that strong
0: on top? So, you know, before we break down that fight, i got to ask you, who won the War of between the two?
1: Um, the War of Words, man, I'm going to have to go with Kevin, man, honestly. I mean... When they were, uh, after his win over Kies on the Fox Sports Studio, I mean, I thought he completely owned him. I, Tony wasn't making any sense at all. I mean, and you know, it, it's probably due to the way Tony fights. I mean, the guy is probably permanently concussed. I mean, he <laughs> takes a lot of shots. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, none of that matters, though. But I think uh, Kevin Lee won the better of that.
0: Kevin's low-key one of the best trash talkers in the game, man.
1: Yeah, 100%, man. I think he's very marketable. It's unfortunate that, you know, they chose uh, Alvarez to coach tough because it would have been really interesting to see Kevin Lee and engage. But, I mean, he got the title shot instead. So,
0: And another example of that is they could have totally used him instead of Uriah Faber to do a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender with Snoop Dogg. Imagine Snoop Dogg and Kevin Lee in the booth together, dude.
1: Yeah, that would have been a sight to see, but I'm, you know I'm pretty sure it's probably because of the, the marijuana factor, but you know it is what it is.
0: What about the marijuana factor? I
1: mean, you know Kevin probably doesn't want to be around that and Fabers are tired and uh, that's, that's what I'm assuming.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. And you know we're, we're allowed to talk about things like that nowadays because uh, as of yesterday, marijuana has been decriminalized in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, man, it's uh, it's one of the best days uh, that has ever happened in the city. I mean, ever since uh, I dab into this great uh, plant called weed, <laughs> it's uh, always been a little sketchy, you know, around here. You get in trouble, you go to jail with uh, when you get caught with weed, and now we can uh, we can walk up and down the street smoking weed. So it's all good now.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just awesome that. People don't look down on it anymore and, you know, for example, you know, my parents, they've never even tried weed. You know what I mean? Where they grew up, weed is like viewed like cocaine or crack and it's like the stigma behind it. So now that, you know, it's decriminalized, it's a big deal, man
1: it's a huge deal, man. Like, you know, obviously my family still would prefer me not smoke it, but hey, they can't, I, I can't get in trouble. I can't get in trouble for this anymore. You know, I've gotten in trouble for it in the past and, you know, I'm past that now. And it's unfortunate that this couldn't have been passed earlier because then I wouldn't have gotten in trouble, but hey, it is what it is. And now I can, I can, uh, smoke in peace.
0: Yeah, and you know, a, a rapist gets parole, but a guy that, you know, smoking a blunt in his car has to do eight, eight months. It just shows that we live in such primitive times, but, you know, that it's starting to be behind us. I'm saying starting because, uh, you know, we're not going to get too much into it, but you know what's going on in the world today. But now, at least that's one step in the right direction. 100%. And you know what else is a step in the right direction? We got, uh, we got some money to make, man, because, look, Brad Tavares... He's minus 200. He's taken on Talos Latus, who's plus 170. And, you know, we got a lot of respect for Brad Tavares. You know, he came through for us against Elias Theodoro, a plus 150 dog there. And in the past, even when we've bet on him, you know, for example, against Tim Bosch. That didn't work out, but it seems like he's turned a corner, man. You know, he's won three of his last four fights, with the only loss coming to the current champion Robert Whitaker. And uh, he's only twenty nine years old. That's the thing I keep forgetting about this guy. You know, when I think of Tavares, I'm like, he's been in the UFC forever, but he's not even thirty years old yet. But Shaq. I mean, it,
1: yeah, this guy's been. A- UFC forever. I mean, I remember when I saw him fight live against Phil Baroni way back in the day at uh, UFC 125 when he was fresh off the tough show. And uh, I mean, when we were betting Brad Tavares against Elias Theodoro, what was our main factors? We knew that Brad Tavares could keep up with him in the cardio department. We felt that we had the better striking and we felt that Elias couldn't take us down or hold us down. And what happened in the fight? It's exactly what happened. And I think the same thing is going to happen here, man. I think Elias is a way tougher opponent than Talos, in my honest opinion, just due to the fact that Elias can keep a pace that is that a lot of middleweights can't keep up. And Brad outlasted him in the cardio department. He beat him on the feet. He beat him on the mat. And, I mean, he beat him in every aspect. And, you know, um, I think maybe the perception of Tavares in the past has been Oh, man, this guy got knocked out by Bosch, or, man, he got starched by Rob, which are all respectable, man. I mean, hey, flukes happen from time to time. I mean, it happens. Like, Patrick Williams once beat Alejandro Perez.
0: I well, think we were talking real about quick, just, uh, just so the fans don't give us too much shit, the fluke you're referring to was the Bosch fight, not the Whitaker yeah, fight.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, the Boche fight. When I mean, Brad was kicking the shit out of him, and then all of a sudden he got caught, and, you know, it, it, things happen from time to time. But, uh, I mean, you know, Elkins just knocked out Mursad Bektik the other day, so... Um, Things happen, and I think he's way past that. I just love his overall game. The guy's super efficient with his energy, and Talos isn't. Talos is that type of guy. You know, he comes out. You know, when he's fighting guys like Trevor Smith or, you know, uh, Chris Camozzi or Sam Alvey, you know, he'll, he'll put on a, a good performance just because What's what do all three of those guys have in common? They don't move. They're not very good in the cardio department. And, I mean, Camozzi can... Can't get off his back to save his life. Alvi doesn't move, and Trevor Smith—he's—he's—he's a, he's a, he's a, what we like to refer to as a jobber. And I—I uh, I just think Brad's gonna piece him up on the feet, man. Land the bigger shots, stuff the takedowns. Tavares' entries on his takedowns are not very good at all, as you saw in the Gegard Mousasi fight, as you saw in the Jocko fight. He got one against Jocko, but then after Jocko worked his way back up to his feet, he didn't sniff another one. Jocko beat him in the wizard department, beat him in the wrestling, smashed him on the mat, and smashed him on the feet. When Talus gets tired, everything completely goes out the window. He's that type of guy that'll pull a half guard when he's tired, and uh, he's going to give Brad that top position, and we're going to beat him on the feet. We have the way better cardio, and it's going to be a
0: easy 30-27. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Brad's come a long way. He's only 29 years old. One thing I really like about his game is when he gets taken down, he immediately scrambles up to his feet. And he's got unbelievable posture. You always see him tripodting up. And that's stuff that you see guys like DC doing. So, you know, if you, uh, if you watch the fight with Yoel Romero, he got up from the takedowns of Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero had him in side control. And uh, Brad Tavares used the proper... Uh, The proper get-up game, the proper technique, he got up to his feet and he kept fighting. And I mean, look, that's the number one guy on planet Earth, Yoel Romero. Now we're taking on Talos Latis who hasn't been the same since his fight with Bisping. Look, the Bisping fight, that was like his last hurrah. You know, he went five hard rounds, he gave it everything he got. Some people thought he won, others thought he lost, but bottom line, it was like, wow, what a fight. But after that, he was never the same. The Musasi fight. You know, it's one thing to lose to a respectable opponent like Musasi. It's another thing when uh, the left side of your face is drooping and no one, no one recognizes you anymore. And that's exactly what happened to Talos Latis in that fight. Then his fight with Jocko, you know, and before that fight, we, we picked Jocko. But we were saying stuff like, you know, as long as Jocko keeps the fight standing, we'll be good if he takes it to the ground. Oh, shit. Well, you know, it was, it was Jocko who was taking Latest to the ground. He was taking him down with ease, busting him up, passing his guard. And at this point, I really do think that Talis is on the downside of his career he's not the guy who was on that big win streak knocking out carmone head arm triangling tim bush which you know he did get his ass whooped the, that first round let me remind you it's not that same guy anymore like you said Shaq, if he can uh you know just coast and go out there and get an easy win against a chris Camosi or a sam alvey then it is what it is but brad tavares is not that guy especially brad tavares right now The way he gets off on his leg kicks, his size for the division, his posture, his takedown defense, I think he's got what it takes. Now, personally, you know, you know, I like to underestimate these uh, these oddsmakers, Shaq, and, you know, I was like, yeah, they might give us plus 110. I mean, I was like, dude, I was like, dude, if they gave us plus 150 against that guy, Elias, they'll give us plus 110 against the guy that, you know, went the distance with Anderson Silva. But, hey, much respect. You know, minus 185, you guys got it right, but I don't feel like I'm losing value. So, for that reason, I'm putting him in a four-unit parlay with someone later, in, later on the card, and... Uh, I think he's going to win a comfortable decision, you know. And, and it's one of those things where we're thinking about what's the worst case scenario. Well, when Brad has lost fights, he has gotten caught, you know, against Whitaker, against Bush. But those guys are known for knocking people out, you know, throughout their UFC careers. That's not what uh, that's not what Talon's latest is known, known for, you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. The only way we lose this fight is by a fluke KO. We're not going to get taken down. We're going to stuff all of his shots. He's going to gas himself out trying to get us down. And, you know, I also I put it in a two-unit open parlay. I'm going to close it out next uh, week in Poland. And uh, I think it's going to be good, easy money, man.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm actually closing it out on this card with uh, the very next fight. But I completely understand why you are. And I know who you're closing it out with. And I will be taking that. Uh... I-, I-, I will be with you as there, my friend. But let's get down to business here because, look, magomed bibulatov currently he's minus 525 the comeback on the vet the very respected vet john moraga is plus 410 and you know i gotta say i've always been a fan of john moraga you know what i like about him win or lose is that he comes to fight you know he's not one of these guys that's gonna hump your leg and make the crowd boo you know he'll throw down unfortunately for him he's been fed to the wolves from day one you know you go from fighting uh you know, Ulysses Ulysses Gomez at the very next fight, you're fighting Demetrius Johnson. You know what I mean, Shaq? It's just one of those things where, you know, it was actually Chris Cariaso next, but you know what I'm saying, Shaq? It's one of those things where they're putting him in there with with those guys and and then DJ, but then they'll then then they'll give him Willie Gates and Ashcan Mockterian. There's no in between. He didn't really have that chance to you know start from the bottom, work his way up. They just gave him two cans and then fed him right to Demetrius. But bottom line, the guy's been in there with the sharks of the division. He's a very tough guy. He will hold his spot in the roster. That being said, when you talk about a guy like Magomed Bulatov, you're talking about a guy that could be potentially challenging Demetrius Johnson or whoever the champ is at the time Very, very soon, Shaq. It could be his next fight. It could be in two fights. Magomed Bibulatov, look, he's one of these Russians that's extremely well-rounded. With him, it's more of a a focus on the striking. But don't get me wrong. Just because he can throw big spinning kicks, just because he can catch you off guard with an uppercut, doesn't mean he can't go in there and blast W and grind out the fight as well. Bibulatov is as well-rounded as it gets. And I truly believe this will be a three-round domination. But that being said, Shaq, it's always scary when you're betting on undefeated fighters. And you know the reason, because everyone has to take that first loss. That being said, I do not believe this will be Babulatov's first loss. I think he's going to go out there, make another statement, and uh, be one or two fights away from a title shot. So I took him at the opener, which was $1 less of the current mi- minus 525. I took it at minus 425, and as you heard earlier, I closed it out with the minus 185 uh, Brad Tavares. So, yeah, it's uh, four units to win 3.6 units. Let's get it.
1: Yeah, man, I, I completely agree. Um, John Moraga, 500 fighter. Tough vet, But, I mean, when he goes against these, the in these spots where he's the gatekeeper, you know, like when he fought Sergio or, when he fought uh, Mateus Nikolaou, what happened? I mean, he fought. He, the Mateus fight, you know, it was close. But in the third round, he gave up a key takedown. The Benavides fight, he got taken down. The Dotson fight, he ended up getting knocked out. I mean, this is a guy that's tough. But, I mean, I feel like he's already reached his potential, man. Um, Magomed Biblatev, super well-rounded, throwing the flashy kicks on the feet better striking, and what I think this fight comes down to, I just think that, honestly, Moraga's going to be intimidated by him. I feel like Moraga's already a guy that has a tendency to not pull the trigger and not let it go in his fights, just like the Mateus fight, just like the Benavides fight, just like the Dotson fight, and I think it's going to be the same thing here. The guy was already talking about retirement before his last fight against Ashken and um, I think uh, you're already thinking about retirement, now you're fighting an undefeated Russian I, have to, I had to take that. Uh, minus, I took it at minus 460, but um, I'm very confident. I think uh, we beat him on the feet, but I'm very confident that we can take him down whenever we want to and win a decision, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised with the finish. But like you said, every now and then, sometimes these vets uh, show the prospects a lesson, but Nigel Mann's very experienced. The guy's been the five-round distance. He's won a belt in the World Series of Fighting, and uh, I think he's very experience for him being at this stage in his career just training with frankie edgar and you know those guys down there and his teammates and just had a good uh, debut so uh, i think he's gonna get the job done.
0: i do as well and next up in the heavyweight division we got walt harris he's currently minus 310 the comeback on mark godbeer is plus 255 and i gotta tell you what Shaq, walt harris has come a long way man you know there was one point There was one point when uh, I was kind of writing him off, but I think he's putting it together. I think he turned a corner. I think the Cody East fight was the first time where he kind of felt like, you know what? I do belong here. And he went out there. He knocked him out in the first round. I know that Jared Rochalt fight, he had a close back-and-forth fight. But after that, things weren't materializing inside the octagon. You know, He took a regional scene fight. He came back. And ever since then, he's won three of four with the one loss. Being a very controversial split decision where not a lot of action happened, which I gotta, you know, add to. I gotta elaborate on is if you're betting on Walt Harris, the thing you gotta look out for is sometimes he has lack of inactivity. But when he decides to let it go, look out because uh, this guy, I mean, that three-two he throws is, is serious. And then I, I found out he's training with boxing champion Deontay Wilder, and it, that now it makes sense. I mean, because when this guy lets it go. It, it, it's truly something to behold he's vicious with it and the last three or four fights like i said that he's won he's been knocking dudes out in the first and second round the one guy he knocked out in the second round chase sherman who's proven to be a very heavy uh, a very uh durable and tough guy himself it was just a matter where if you look at chase sherman's style he does like to he, he likes to hit and run you know what i mean he, he kicks and he runs that's his style but with Godbeer, he likes to charge forward. And those are the kind of guys that Walt Harris has been able to put away early. So I looked at the under here and, uh, you know, actually shout out to to the MMA prophet. He let me know about this, uh, the under in this spot. And, I, you know, I saw it before, but he kind of brought it to my attention. Like, dude, there's a lot of value here because at minus 105 for an under one and a half where Walt Harris – All but one of his wins have been in the first round by knockout and all of his wins are via knockout. And the one time he went over a round and a half was due due to the fact that his opponent kind of runs a little bit. Mark Godbeer comes right at you and he brawls. He ducks his head down. He telegraphs his shots. I think this is the perfect spot. For Walt Harris to get a first round KO. And you know initially I wasn't in the Walt Harris business. But when I went back and I looked at the career progression. The guy really has come a long way. And he really does have a lot of potential. And now that he's starting to believe in himself. And he's starting to let it go. He could be a force to be reckoned with. Now obviously it's heavyweight. Anyone could go down. So let's say Godbeard puts him down in the first. That'll still cover me with that under one and a half. Now you know it is sketchy. They are heavyweights. Let's say they hug each other for three straight rounds. That's why I only put 1.6 units on it. I'm not going big on this. However, I do think this is an opportunity and a good a good stylistic matchup. Because you watch that fight between Mark Godbeer and Daniel Spitz. Like I said earlier, Spitz style is to run away, uh, and that's not a that, that that's not what uh, Mark Godbeer is going to do here against Walt Harris. So. I think this is the perfect spot to catch Mark Godbeer for a first-round KO. So I got Walt Harris, but my play here is 1.6 unit on the under 1.5 at minus 105, Shaq.
1: Yeah, that's uh, definitely understandable. The under is always a good move in a heavyweight fight. Either guy could get knocked out. Um, Yeah, I like the matchup for Harris. He's got that nice southpaw style, the left kick, the straight left. The uh, Darren Till plan is what I I like to call it. Um, But, uh, yeah, man, I see Godbear charging forward, uh, you know, trying to make it ugly, trying to clinch him up, tie him up against the fence, wear him out, and uh, possibly seeking out a knockout. But I think Walt will somewhere catch him with a straight left. But, um, you know, I understand that. I definitely understand that uh, underplay, and uh, I hope it works out for you.
0: I appreciate it, man. So, this one, I'm very excited about this fight, man, because look, we got Lando Venata. He's minus 220. The comeback on Bobby Green is plus 180. I mean, anytime these two step inside the UFC's octagon, it's pandemonium, man. You know, these two are going to throw down most likely till one guy falls, unless they're both durable enough to go the three round distance. And to me, this fight comes down to, you know, how old is Bobby Green? Because Bobby Green in his prime, man, he, you don't fuck with Bobby Green, you know, he puts his hands down, he taunts you, and uh, you still can't hit the guy, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he, he was really one of the most exciting guys to watch in his time. I know people don't like him because he taunts a lot, but I, I like that shit, man. I like it when I got plus 250 on him against Josh Thompson, and Josh is throwing a head kick, and uh, Bobby's brushing his shoulders off, you know, that kind of shit is entertaining. That's why I liked Anderson Silva. All those antics are fun to to watch especially when the guy's winning but Bobby has slowed down a lot. He has uh, had a lot of surgeries and uh it's about it has Lando caught up to the point now where he can put a guy like Bobby Green away because Bobby in his prime I think he really goes out there and tools Lando with Lando it's a matter of the seasoning. You know, they threw him at Tony Ferguson in his UFC debut but then they put him in there with a guy past his prime such as uh John McDessie, and it was an easy first round KO. Then you put him in there with another young, hungry guy, such as David Timor. Was it a matter of Timor wasn't as good as we thought he was, or is Lando simply not ready for this level? I don't want to say that, you know, considering his KO of uh, John McDessie. I mean, that was unbelievable. So this fight's going to be super telling, man, because we know Bobby, even though Bobby's still great, the thing with that style is, just like Anderson Silva, just like Roy Jones, when you rely on your reflexes, your instincts, and your speed, speed is the first thing to go. That's why those power hitters, they got the power till the day they die. But the speed guys, you know, one day they look like a uh, like king of the world. The very next day, they're getting knocked out by Chris Wideman, who's not a knockout artist. So is Bobby Green at that point? I don't know. Plus 180 is tempting because if Bobby Green shows up, I think he could school Lando. That being said, if Bobby does not show up, if he, if he comes out here looking old, I think he could get KO'd viciously. So, shit, man. I really don't know. It's about who shows up. Uh, I'm rooting for Bobby here. So, I hope he gets it done, Shaq.
1: Yeah. um, Like you said, Bobby in his prime was a beast. A guy that relied on his instincts, on quick movements, and matter of fact, one of my first bets ever was uh, Bobby Green versus Pat Healy way back in the day, and you know Bobby won that nice little 30-27 on two cards, and uh, I was a little I was a little worried when I went to the uh, cards, but he got the job done, and um, but yeah, man. You know, Lando Venata, I think the guy could actually be really good, man. I think uh, I think his fight with Taymor was more of a case where people didn't realize how good Taymor was. Because it was, I know he did slow down after the first round, but there was no question of heart. There was no question of, of quitting at all. Like, Lando pushed through three rounds hard. It was just that Taymor simply showed up that night, and Taymor was a lot better than people thought. And Bobby, look, when's the last time Bobby has shown up for a fight? Like, look, I know that Bobby in his prime is a top 10 fighter. The thing is, people would say, oh, well, he showed up against Rashid and went to split decision. But we know the way Rashid fights. Rashid fights in that little sparring, like he's in a little sparring session. And and that's why I was so close. And, And if we're being honest here, Bobby didn't want a round of that fight. The thing is, Bobby, like we said, he's had that ACL surgery. He's had a, a, a torn quad surgery, a hamstring surgery. And, I mean, I think he's pulled out of, like, seven or eight fights within the last year and a half. I mean, the guy, he, it's unfortunate because I really like the guy. He's on his way out. And uh, I think this is make or break for him. So the guy has his back against the wall, so he, he might he might show up, but I don't think he is. I think, uh, I think Lando's going to come out here touching him up. And Bobby's going to be talking. And, you know, something similar. Remember in the Poye fight when he was talking to Dustin and he was putting his hands down and talking shit and Dustin ended up throwing like a double hook and he ended up getting caught with a punch he didn't see. I kind of see something like that happening. Like I see him talking and uh, I see Lando catching him with something that he doesn't see, something flashy. But if this fight gets into the second and third rounds, I could see Bobby tying him up, working him against the fence, possibly grinding out a split decision. But I can't bet on Bobby for the reasons. I think he's old. His body's not the same. His confidence level ain't the same. And, I mean, this guy's got a lot of stuff outside the octagon. I've heard him say things like he's got a bunch of baby mama drama. I heard he switched camps. I mean, the guy's just got a lot of turmoil in his life. So I'm going to go with Lando. And I'm going to actually go Lando by finish.
0: Man, it, it's going to hurt if that happens, dude. <laughs> it's going to hurt to see. Yeah. The fight game.
1: The fight game. The fight game takes on prisoners, man. But Bobby's one of one, was used to be one of my favorite fighters, man. It's unfortunate, you know, that the body gives up on people at times. But, I mean, remember this guy's debut against Volkman? And everyone at the time wanted to see Volkman get his ass whooped. <laughs> and uh, Bobby went out there and uh, he did it for everybody. And uh, I know the UFC was very happy
0: about that as they cut Volkman right after that. Yeah, Volkman got his ass whooped so bad he called out (laughs) Obama. But uh, (laughs) So, Will Brooks, he's minus 365, and Nick Lentz is plus 305. Now, now you and I have been talking about this fight a lot, and on paper, I mean, Will Brooks has all the attributes physically to get this done. It's just mentally, man. But at the same time, does Nick Lentz, even if Will Brooks isn't on mentally – does Nick Lentz have enough left in the tank? I know he's got an 11-5 and 5 UFC record. He's a winner. But, man, uh, Mike Dolce did a number on Nick Lentz.
1: Yeah, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's another thing how we were just talking about Bobby, where the body gives up on you. And it's the same thing that's happening with Nick Lentz. And, you know, a lot of guys think Lentz is a gimmick. But, I mean, you know, he, he thinks he's a politician and I, I don't know what he's – on Twitter these days. But the guy's always talking about Trump and a whole bunch of bullshit. And the thing is the guy's eleven and five in the UFC. The guy wins fights. Like it's actually uh he actually has kept his spot in the company since like two thousand seven or eight. I mean the guy wins fights. And uh Will Brooks, I mean, like you said, physically, he looks like a specimen. But to be honest, man, when I watch the tape on the guy it really wasn't anything to be impressed about. I think he's athletic. I think he's physical, but skill-wise, he's not very fast to be honest. I mean, it's it's. Of course, you can look fast when you're fighting guys like you know Old Ross Pearson or or Dave Jensen or Marchin Held or you know Tiger Sarnowski. But when we re- when I really looked at it, he really ain't that fast. He's strong, you know. He took down Alex Cowboy a couple times, but I'm gonna tell you. The difference between these two, the difference between these two is toughness. Nick Lentz got fully mounted by Islam Akachev and got pounded on, got pounded on. But Nick Lentz didn't quit. Alex Cowboy got full mount on, on, uh, on Will Brooks, <laughs> and Will quit. Will quit after the first round. Will went in his corner and he told his corner, "Oh, I feel like shit. Like, oh, I don't. This ain't. This ain't my ribs broken. Like, I don't think Nick, Nick Lentz would have ever done that. Nick Lentz." That guy is super tough, but it's just unfortunate that his body's giving up on him. Mike Dolce, I don't know what he did to his body, but Lens ain't the same guy. Nick Lens is a D one wrestler. He used to, you know, get in, get in there, take guys down, and just make him quit. Like you remember this guy's fight against Hacrim way back in the day when Hacrim was on like a twenty fight win streak, and Nick Lens straight up broke him. Or the Diego Nunes fight when Nick Lens broke him. Or I mean, it's unfortunate, but uh, I think Wilbrooks will get this one. I just think, like we said, how much does Nick have left in the tank? His body just cannot. I just don't think his body can keep up. And I just think this is this fight comes down to strictly physicality. Like I just don't think that Nick Lentz's body can hold up for the
0: three. So that being said, you think will Brooks is going to finish the fight?
1: No, I think Will Bricks will win a 30-27 decision. I think Lance might fight tough for the first round, but uh, I think his bloated body will just give out on him. And uh, it'll just, I mean, like, look, if you go watch his body for the Chad Mendes fight, if you if you guys listen to this, pull up his body for the Chad Mendes fight when he was in the best shape of his life, where if he would have won that fight, then, you know, he would have been, in the title picture or close-up there. And then you look at his fight, his body for the Danny Castillo fight, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, what happened? <laughs> like, It's a complete night-day uh, difference, and, you know, he stopped working with Mike Dolce. And uh, and I just think Will's going to – I think he's got more left in the tank. I think he's going to be a lot more confident because, he's you know, he's fighting an old teammate, a guy that he knows really well, as, as well Nick probably knows him very well. And uh, I just think he's going to be a lot more confident. I think in the Oliveira fight or the uh, the Alex Cowboy fight, maybe he was questioning himself a little bit. I and mean, we know he is a, a little bit of a front runner, a little bit of a mental midget. But, I mean, I don't think he's going to have those mental issues for this fight. I think he's going to come in confident. But not to mention, man, Charles Oliveira blast-doubled Brooks with ease. <laughs> I know Charles Oliveira didn't blast-double Nick Lentz.
0: He finished him twice, though.
1: True. But no, the first one is, was illegal as fuck. I actually just watched it the other day. But
0: <laughs> he, he was well on his way to winning the fight. But, yeah. yeah it doesn't sure. matter because Bronx finished uh, Will Brooks. So, uh, you know. You know. Exactly. So, this one, man. I mean, this could be fight of the night. This could be f- performance of the night. We got Tom Duquenois. He's minus 165. The comeback on Cody Stamen is plus 145. And... Dude, both guys I believe are 15 and 1. I mean yeah, talk about uh I, lo- I I love matchups like this because you know people like to talk about how the UFC are protecting people but uh you know someone's 15 and 1 record is not being protected here.
1: For sure man uh I'm, this might be the the fight I'm looking forward to the most um, you know initially I was saying you know, I was going to take that shot on Cody Stamen before the lines even opened uh, when we actually interviewed him a month or so ago. And, you know, as I got closer, I was like, man, I'm probably going to pass. Because when I watch that tape on Tom, the fire kid, man, he just, he's just he got that Gaethje style, man. The guy just walks forward. He gets tagged repetitively, even on his local scene fights against like Brandon Lofnane in which I think Lofnane won that fight or um, against a couple other guys I mean guys tag him and tag him and he stumbles but he just keeps walking forward like the Terminator and uh, these guys like break but uh, you know Cody Salmon, I bet on him in his debut against Terran Wareham, 270 and uh, I bet on him because I mean on the local scene he showed me how well rounded he was he fought tough guys like you know uh, Sharapov or um a couple other he fought guys with winning records on the local scene, just put it that way. And uh the guy can he can kick, he can punch, and he can wrestle. And I mean the cardio that he showed in that Tyrion Ware fight, and he said he took that fight on two weeks notice off the couch, up a weight class. And now man I, I gave in, man. I, I took that shot at plus one fifty, only one unit. But I took that shot because I'm not trying to have no regrets because I honestly think Cody's going to win the fight. I think Tom Duqueno is a a top-notch prospect, but he's got too many holes in a striking game, I think he's going to be relying on a knockout punch, which it could happen if he knocks Cody out, then props to him. But I think Cody has too many advantages in this fight. I think he has the cleaner technique on the feet. I think he's got the more efficient style, the better wrestling, and I think he can push harder for three rounds. That wrestling is going to be the key to this fight. Patrick Williams took him, took uh, Dukemal down, even though it was briefly. Patrick Williams is arguably the worst fighter on the UFC roster, and I mean, and Patrick Williams was panicking like two minutes into that fight. Cody ain't going to panic. Cody actually got tested in his debut against a way cleaner striker, in my opinion, than Tyrion Ware, who put pressure on him. And every time he got Harry, Cody put him on his back, and I think the same thing's going to happen here. I think it's going to be a little tougher. I think at some point we probably will get rocked, but I think Cody will win two rounds and, uh, and win a decision here, man. But the winner of this fight props to them because this is a super tough fight, man. And uh, I had to take that underdog shot on Cody statement because those advantages that I mentioned earlier – and uh, I think the kid is really going to be a top fifteen guy in the future.
0: Well, I sincerely wish you the best of luck because I do not have a play here. But man, it's going to be interesting because Tom Duke and why? You know, he's like he's like the French uh, Thomas Almeida. Man, I mean, you can hit him with everything but the kitchen sink unless you're Cody yeah. Garbrandt, right? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go that
1: far because. His technique isn't the same as Almeida. Almeida does clean technique, but yeah, Almeida, if you're saying, like, yeah, they both get tagged and keep moving forward because Tom's a little sloppy, man.
0: Yeah, you know, the reason I wouldn't compare him to uh, to Gaethje is because it's not like he tries to chop the tree down with the leg kicks. But at the same time, it's the same approach that Gaethje and Almeida have where they keep walking forward. They, You know what I mean? And they'll take whatever you throw at them, and then they take you out, man. And uh, with uh, Duke and Waugh, it's very fun to watch. You know, I was expecting him to be a big favorite. But leading up to this, everyone was talking about how they're going to pick Stamen. So kind of got me a little scared here, man. Now, now with Stamen, obviously, like you mentioned, he mixes it up very, very well. But what I'm wondering here is, so let's say they go out there and he takes down Duke and Waugh a couple times. Duke and Waugh keeps getting back up. You know, is is Stamen going to eventually gas and there? Is where uh, Duke and Walk can tee off on, you know, one of his thirty strike uh, combinations. That's that's why I'd be worried to pick Stamen here, man, because he could be doing good for so long, and you know, Duke and Waugh is going to keep coming forward the entire time, man.
1: Yeah, um, the thing is, why I actually uh, don't. I think he can because I mean, like we said before, the guy took a fight. Oh, a weight class up with a, a kind of a similar style in where even though where doesn't have the same takedown defense. Tearing Ware puts super pressure on you, and he's got way cleaner punches. Dukunwa walks forward with his hands down, chin up in the air, and he's really looking to load up on the elbow. And I just think and he stands really upright. And I think the I think we can beat him on the feet as well. Obviously I want him to use the wrestling more, but I think Cody's got the better punching technique, the better kicking technique, the better wrestling, and I think he can keep up that pace. He's cutting down to 135 this time, so I know he had to die at the whole camp. And I have been keeping up with him on Instagram and the guy's in shape. He had that full camp. This ain't a two week notice fight. And Tom ain't fighting Pat Williams.
0: <laughs> you know, when Sean Shelby says that Cody Stamen reminds him of Jimmy Rivera. That right there. I, I'm not betting against this kid. I gotta see for myself though, because, you know, as much as I respect Sean Shelby's opinion, he's been wrong before. He did say Robbie Peralta was the dark horse of the featherweight division once upon a time. So, you know, but you know, this kid is fifteen and one and he mixes it up so well. Any imminent danger on the feet, he changes levels, takes you down on the ground. And I do know and do think that Duke and Waugh is eventually gonna get caught soon. I just don't think this is gonna be the time. I'm gonna go with while well, I think somewhere along the way, he's gonna find a way to knock out Cody Stamen. I hope I'm wrong, so you cash your bet, but I'm gonna go with Dukinwall here. Now, next up, Benil Daryush. Benny. He's minus two thirty-five. The comeback on Evan Dunham is plus one ninety-five. Now, I really truly believe that Benil turned a corner since the Kiesa fight. You know, if you watch a uh, the Bruce Buffer introductions in that fight. You know, he's smiling. He thinks it's a joke. For some reason, when people are fighting Chiesa or when they're fighting uh, Bisbing, everyone thinks it's a joke for some reason. And uh, Benny thought it was a joke. He was lighting him up early and, uh, you know, he gassed a little bit, which, which he tends to do from time to time. And, man, when Chiesa takes your back, you know, it's funny. Chiesa took his back, got a face crank. It wasn't even locked in under the, uh, under the chin all the way. It was a face crank. And, uh, you know, Benny's smiling, and he's like, yeah, this guy, this guy ain't going to choke me out. But Kies's grip is so strong that, before, you know, it was too late, and it was like, oh, shit, I got to tap. And ever since then, I truly believed he's turned a corner. He goes out there. He defeats James Vick. One does not simply defeat James Vick, let alone knock out James Vick. He goes out there, defeats Rashid Magomedov. One does not simply defeat Rashid Magomedov, let alone thirty twenty-seven Rashid Magomedov in the Mexico City Elevation. And the fight was mostly contested standing. Then he goes out there and, you know, we can talk about the end result, which I'll get to in a second. He outstrikes Edson Barbosa for seven and a half minutes of a fistfight in Brazil. And then he got caught with a devastating flying knee, <laughs> which sucks, you know? But uh, the thing here is, man, is, you know, people like to talk about he got his life changed. Will he be the same? Do you remember when Latifi fought Ryan Bader? Yeah. That was one of the most devastating knockouts I've ever seen in my life. You remember when Dan Henderson fought Bisbee the very first time, UFC 100? Yeah. That was even more devastating. One of the most devastating knockouts in my life. There's some guys that are mentally weak. And there's some guys that aren't. The guys that are mentally strong, they bounce back from those losses. And I truly believe that's what Benil Darius is going to do. I mean, look, Latifi, he came back against Tyson Pedro. And uh, it looked like he didn't even get knocked out. And that was one of the most devastating knockouts I've ever seen last year. And with Dan- with uh, Michael Bisming, I mean, people, you know, he could have arguably retired after U- UFC 100. That KO was so brutal. Now he's holding the UFC middleweight belt. So, you know, it's one thing if a guy gets knocked out five times, you know, then we start talking like, you know, one more that, you know, he's going to be in a retirement home pretty soon. But in Benny's case, I think he simply got caught. He was looking the best he's ever looked. He's going to continue to evolve. And he's coming back against a guy that as as, as much as I respect Dunham, he's as tough as they get. He, uh, he's definitely evolved over the years. He's a solid gatekeeper. I think Dunham's going to be simply too slow here. And uh, I-, I truly believe that Benil can outstrike him for three. Or he can knock him out, man. I mean, they're going to be exchanging hard. Benny's feeling more confident than ever in his strikes. And uh, he lets it go with uh, multiple co- multiple punch combinations. He follows up with his kicks. He's got very, very heavy kicks, man. And even when his takedowns get stuffed like they did against Michael Johnson... You know, he still finds a way to win. And also, against Edson Barbosa, his takedowns got stuffed until the very last one. He was winning that fight, man. I I think this is a different scenario. I don't think that Evan Dunham possesses the, uh, you know, the athleticism of uh, Edson Barbosa. I don't think he's going to be flying through the air with a double knee with that kind of timing, with that kind of reaction. The only thing is, with Benny, you know, I mentioned this earlier, the guys that he loses to are guys that he's way better than you know, besides Barboza, you know, Ramsey, Michael Chiesa, I mean, come on, Benny's way better than both those dudes, but man, he he lost to both of them, so, you know, it's one of those things, he's way better than Dunham, but he could lose, you know, it's still a fight, but he does tend to come back strong after a loss, I believe he's going to do that here, and I truly believe his last three fights in particular, he turned a big corner, and they they got him ranked number 12, I I think he's a top 5 talent in the UFC lightweight division, so... I'm going to go with Benil Dariush here. It's minus 235 currently. I'm thinking about a play, man. I'm just not sure what to play it with. I don't want to force it with anything else on this card. Potentially, I'm going to leave it open. You know, We're going to play it by ear, but the pick is Benil Dariush.
1: Yeah, man. I actually think this is going to be a tough fight, man, because like you said in the past, the dudes that Benil loses to are the guys that wear him down. And I feel like Dunham has that wear down type of... Oh, I agree. Benny brings a different level of violence to the to the uh a different level of violence than dunham dunham's more of a stand on the outside guy try to box try to out volume you the thing is like for example in the kiesa fight it really like okay yeah he was landing he he's the first three minutes he was touching him up with leg kicks but i mean he was like throwing everything into it and then towards the end of the first round kiesa actually started getting, up, getting off on the feet, like, Kiesa actually landed a couple straight lefts, and, you know, you could just tell that once this fight hit the second round, that Benny was going to be fucked, and, you know, he learned his lesson from it, and, you know, Kiesa ended up choking him out, and the thing is, with Dunham, Dunham, is Benny going to have an advantage on the mat, on the clinch, like he has against, you know, Vic, or Rashid, or, uh, who else did he fight, um...
0: M J, Tony Martin, yeah. Carlos Diego.
1: Yeah, is he gonna have? Is he gonna have an advantage in the clinch like he has against those guys? Because Jim when I watch because when I watch uh, Dunham on the map, man, I mean, Dunham pulls off some <laughs> some slick, slick stuff, man. And uh, you know, I know he got triangle by Cerrone, and hey, it happens. As like we said, sometimes, uh, sometimes things happen. Cerrone's just the better fighter, but uh, I think. This can end up being a tough fight. I do think Benil will edge it out, I understand both sides. I feel like if Benny keeps it standing, and he doesn't. If he's efficient with his energy, he could possibly do it. But the thing is, when he when he engages in a grimy, grimy type of fight where he doesn't have as much of an advantage in the clinch, like. When he's fighting Ramsey, a Kiesa, guys that can lean on him, guys that can wear on him, guys that he knows he can't dominate on the mat, those guys have success. And look, Dunham's, I understand Dunham's, actually I wouldn't even say he's on his way. I think Dunham can still beat a lot of guys. I don't think Dunham can stand with him. But I think if this fight hits the second round and Benil has exerted so much energy, and another thing about that Edson fight what I what I'm worried is that even though yes he won the he won the first round he didn't he didn't win the first round by a lot. I mean, he won the first round, but Edson definitely made his presence known. But the thing is, I felt like it wasn't a Mitch Gagnon Hennan situation, but I felt like it was that Benny literally put everything into keeping up that pace for that first round. Like I felt like he that was like the round of his life. And, you know, that second round, he evidently slowed down and, you know, he shot a sloppy takedown and Edson saw it coming from a mile away. And, you know, obviously Dunham isn't going to do that. What Dunham's going to try to do is when that happens, tie him up and see if we can get him to the ground or beat him in the clinch or start boxing him up from the outside and, in, you know, getting him to shoot. But I don't think it's going to happen. I un- But I do understand both sides of a betting. I see some people taking down him and I understand it. And I see some people putting big money on Darius. But uh, I think Darius will win it
0: 29-28. Yeah, I, I, I feel as if the left kick will be a big weapon in this fight, Shaq.
1: See, I, see, the thing is, it is southpaw versus southpaw. So we know that body kick might not be as open as it is. Against like you know Vic or MJ or uh, or uh, Edson,
0: MJ is a salva.
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, it wasn't the left kick wasn't a, a the left body kick wasn't a weapon in that fight. I think uh, it's gonna have to be the low kick this time, and uh, we'll see, man. But I think it is gonna be a knock, a super tough fight. I think a lot of people underestimate Dunham, and he's just that vet that can adapt to any situation. Dunham's been in there with. The best of the best. I mean, even though he was on that bad little losing streak, I mean, take a look who it was against, man. It was against RDA, Cerrone, Hudson Barboza, and I mean, there's no shame in those losses. And I mean, uh, I just think it could. He has a way of. He's one of those guys that have a way of, even though know, guys have physical advantages over him, he has a way of making it. A lot closer
0: in there. I feel as if uh, the corner that Benny turned will be the difference, but there's only one way to find out. That's that, that's why we tune in. So, co-main event of the evening. Fabricio are wardum He's minus 255. The comeback on the Black Beast is plus 215. Now, Shaq, I I thought the Black Beast quit the sport two months ago. I mean, he did. Uh, you know, I actually picked him in that
1: fight because, you know, it was – it was that uh, typical you know heavyweight scenario. oh Hunt's done and then guess what he's not done. but uh, yeah, you quit the sport. I mean we've I've always known that Black Beast was super overrated that I mean if anyone came ready that they could get this guy out of here, but they guys would just always fall into they would just get caught and I mean it, it was a different level of guys he was fighting as well. And uh, you know, Mark Hunt kept his composure and just waited him out until he knew that he could get him out of there, and he got him out of there. But uh, he did quit the sport; he retired. So therefore, I can never take the shot at plus two fifteen. The guy quit the sport the second he lost the fight. And uh, Verdum, I mean, man, I have a I have a theory that Verdum is on his way out because look, the Stipe fight, you know, he's the champion. And, you know, it's, he's defending his title in Brazil and the guy's making his little fucking face in the fighter introductions. And, you know, he's charging forward and then you know, he gets caught and, you know, he gets knocked out, loses his belt. Okay. And then, you know, he comes in against uh, Travis, who Travis is what we like to refer to. I mean, is Travis. When's the last time Travis won a fight?
0: Uh, he doesn't win fights.
1: Exactly. Okay. So, you know, he beats Edmund Verdian train Tavis, Travis, and, uh, you know, he doesn't even finish him, but, you know, he, he beats Travis, and then, you know, he gets in there versus Reem, and, you know, people were saying that, oh, Verdoom won the fight. I mean, look, the first round was close. Like, when they were saying on live, on the live, or on Twitter, everyone was saying Verdoom got that first round. You know, we were watching the fight at your house, and me and Mario, our our, our friend Mario, was like, bro, I don't think he won that round. (laughs) And, you know, and obviously all three judges didn't think he won that round, and and he thought he won the round. But for a vet, you know, he should know that that round was up in the air. The second round, Overeem clearly won. The third round, he rocks him, and then he takes him down. Bad fight, IQ. You gotta keep striking in that situation. Granted, he is uh, one of the best jujitsu players to ever walk in the octagon, but bro, you got this guy on ice skates, and I mean, just from what I've been seeing from him lately, you know, the little Tony Ferguson situation, and I'm a hundred percent tied side with Tony on that. I, I don't care about the the the, the gay, lesbian shit. I don't, I don't give a fuck about that shit, but. I, like bro, this ain't your this ain't your lunch. Like you're, you're on the undercard, bro. Like you know, play your position. But uh, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna say Black Beast is gonna get the upset here, man. <laughs> I think he's gonna knock him out, man. I, I think Verdoom's on his way out. I know Verdoom's clearly the better fighter. Verdoom Verdoom is a hundred times better. I mean, Verdoom's better on the feet. He's better on the mat. He could easily take him down one time, and this could be game set match. But uh, I. I I'm hoping Black Peace does this for Houston, man. I'm I'm hoping he gets
0: a knockout. Well, you know, if we're uh, picking emotionally, I hope he gets it done for for Houston as well. And and he's just a, a cool personality. But y'all motherfuckers are crazy, acting like Overeem won that fight. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like we're <laughs> Overeem, Overeem won the first two rounds, bro. Not not only did we're Doom win the first round, he won the third round 10-8. So, you know, it's one of those situations where it's a clear 29-27, but everyone's on Overeem's dick, and everyone's eating that horse meat, and it is what it is. He didn't,
1: bro, Overeem landed the cleaner shots in round one. Verdum didn't win shit, bro. He won the third round. I give him that, but to say he, like, clearly won the first is completely wrong, bro. he
0: He edged the first, and he 1080 the third
1: in 10 eight
0: when you when you drop a man and only, almost knock him and unconscious then,
1: see, if he would have kept if we would have kept striking but then he took him down and laid on him and th- that's it I mean yeah he got rocked but it's not like
0: yeah, but after
1: he took him down, the fight was never in danger of being
0: finished. But bringing up him taking him down and laying on him, you know, that's 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 almost insult to injury. You know, he he already knocked him down with a knee. He didn't need to do anything else. I mean, what what do you have to do to get a ten eight? He fucked his ass up. I mean, Alistair didn't know his own name after the fight. <laughs>
1: Alistair, Alistair, uh, weaselled him like he's known for, and he he, he it's his fault. Bro, the first round was close. I understand that Verdum arguably won it, but I actually thought Overeem won it. I thought it was close. I thought Overeem landed the harder shots, and I thought uh, he stole it right at the end. And, uh, and you know, the second round, Overeem clearly won. And Fabricio needed a finish. I don't think that qualified as a 10-8 in the third, but it is what it is. Yeah,
0: you know, um, the UFC agrees with me. That's why they're feeding uh, Overeem to Engano. <laughs> 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 so, actually, this is the co-main event. I, I almost forgot this fight was on the card. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, he's minus 1250. The comeback on Ray Borg is plus 800. Now, we broke this fight down already, so, you know, it's back to the same question I asked you last time. Should Ray Borg be a plus 800 uh, underdog in any fight?
1: Um, No, maybe plus 500, but... I can't take the shot on Ray Borg. The guy doesn't have his weight situation in order. He doesn't have a nutritionist. I mean, to pull out of that fight the first time, I mean, I almost, I, I'm, I'm out of the Ray Borg business as of right now. Like, like how can, how can you? When's the last time he made weight cleanly for the? I mean, b- before the Formiga fight, the guy misses weight repetitively, and he still doesn't have it under control. I think DJ will. Get him out of there somewhere in the third or fourth round. I think Borg will put up a fight in the first two, but eventually DJ will wear on him. His, uh, his soft midsection will not hold up.
2: And, uh, soft
0: midsection? I think,
1: I think, uh, Has he
0: ever been hurt just... to the body? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, I mean, the guy, he's cutting mad weight for this, man. He's cutting mad weight. He doesn't have a nutritionist. His 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 diet's not in order, man. I can't. I don't want to get any part of that. I don't think I wouldn't even even if it was plus a thousand. I wouldn't take the shot. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, the guy I already pulled out of the fight one time.
0: What about minus twelve hundred? Oh, excuse me, plus twelve hundred?
1: No, <laughs> no, because
0: what number? What number you need to get to
1: get? To beat DJ, everything has to be on point. And Ray Borg does not have everything on point. He's yeah. going to be cutting a shit ton of weight. I mean, a plus 1,200, that's like playing the fucking lottery. I mean, I'd rather take my ch- my chances playing the Powerball.
0: Yeah, you know, look, I'm a fan of Ray Borg ever since he came to the UFC. One of the best scramblers, uh, not just in the division, but in the UFC. DJ's probably the best scrambler in that nah, division. Not nah. no. No, don't
1: get me wrong. I ain't laying no fucking minus 1250 or playing or parlaying, you know, DJ Inside the Distance. Like, I already already learned my lesson playing DJ Inside the Distance uh, against Dotson. Fucking, I remember I fucking played Dotson, I mean, uh, DJ Inside the Distance, and I think, was it Felder? Yeah, was that the same night? Something like that. When Felder fought Ross Pearson, I think that was the same night. And, you know, neither cashed and. I was very disappointed. (laughs) But uh, I ain't laying that, man.
0: I mean, I like Borg. I think he has a great future, but I just don't think he's ready yet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. You know, Borg rose to the occasion last time against Formiga, the number three guy on planet Earth. And, you know, not only did he beat Formiga, you know, most people when they beat Formiga, they catch him and they knock him out. He back-mounted Formiga. One does not simply take the back of Juicy Formiga, but at the same time, kind of like you said, Shaq, In order to beat DJ, you have to have everything in order. And, you know, not having a nutritionist this time, he's doing the nutrition himself. The guy's notorious for missing weight. You know, it's just a a recipe for disaster. At the same time, this is MMA. Anything can happen. No way in hell I lay down a minus 1250. I mean, that's not, you know, (laughs) that's just just not what we do here. I'm going to say DJ by decision, but uh, it, it, it would be cool. To see the upset just because, you know, there's never been another flyaway champ. But at the same time, if DJ wins this fight, he goes out there and he breaks Anderson Silva's record. And clearly, obviously, if he's breaking a record, that's never been done before. So, you know, either way, just sit back and enjoy this one. And, yeah, don't don't parlay DJ inside the distance. I can't tell you how many times I've been, I've been burned on that. You know, against Tim Elliott, who's a scrambler. Ray Borg's a, scr- a scrambler. I'm just going to leave it at that. The main event of the evening, Tony El Cucuy Ferguson. He's minus 230. The comeback on the Motown Phenom is plus 190. Shaq, Tony Ferguson, he's on a a nine-fight win streak, I believe. Yeah, nine-fight. And uh, looking to make it 10. And if he makes it 10, he will wear uh, UFC championship gold. So is he about to do it?
1: Man, this is a tough fight. You know, initially I wanted to bet Kevin Lee, but, uh, you know, I had to pass because, man, when I watched that tape, um, man, I've always... As you know, Daniel, you know, I've been trying to fade Tony Ferguson. I mean, look, I faded this guy against Lando Venata, and I, and I almost won. And because, uh, you know, I had thought that Lando could... On the local scene, it looked like Lando could move and strike, and I've always said that if someone can fucking move, strike, and land a shot that he doesn't see coming, they can get Tony out of there. And I truly believe that is the way to beat him. I, I don't think, when I watch Kevin Lee, look, I think Kevin Lee is strong as an ox. I think he has one of the best top games in the sport. But I still think he's developing, man. Like when I watch him, sometimes you know when he gets in trouble on the feet, he shoots these sloppy takedowns, and I don't think he's gonna get those against Tony. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are falling victim in this fight to to uh, not being fanboys, but not liking the either either guy. I know a lot of people don't like Kevin Lee, so they're loading up on. T- Tony Ferguson out of emotion, and a lot of people don't like Tony Ferguson, so they're betting Kevin Lee out of emotion. And you know, I feel like a lot of people are uh, falling into that. I'm not betting on either guy. I'm going to sit back and enjoy. But I do think Tony Ferguson is a. I get, I'm going to give him a lot of credit because before I watched really watch a tape on him, I thought he was super overrated. But the guy is actually. he, he might he might. He might be the, the best lightweight in the world, man. That fight against RDA actually blew my mind because RDA showed up for that fight one hundred percent and Tony completely drowned him. Like I know RDA, you know, he, he said he fainted, you know, the day before and whatnot, but bro, the first round, you know, RDA wins by how I think you can beat Tony, which is movement, leg kicks, and landing big overhand shots. And he won the first round. Then that second round Tony just, like, starts slipping punches. I mean, his striking, his, his defense actually got a lot better in that fight. In the past, against, like, Edson Orlando, he'd get tagged with pretty much everything coming. But in that fight, he cleaned it up a lot. And that the third round, I think RDA stole it right at the end. But then the fourth and the fifth round, Tony just put it on him in a way that was, like, mind-blowing, man. Just the volume, just the always working, bro, like... Anytime RDA tried to get out by shooting a shooting a double, Tony easily stuffed it. Like it didn't even it didn't even touch the man. He just shrugged it off like it was nothing. And um, I see that I see that happening in this fight. To be honest, I see I see you know the exchanges being fairly close. But I think Tony's hands have gotten a lot better. I think his defense is cleaned up a little bit. I still think that the right guy when the right guy comes along, he can be knocked out. But I do not see Kevin Lee consistently taking him down. Hey, if Kevin gets on top of him and just and Tony can't get up, then props to Kevin. I just, I can't bet on that happening because I really don't think it's gonna happen. I'm gonna go with Tony in this one by fourth round, fourth round submission. I think he's just gonna outlast him. I think uh, Kevin intends to find himself in trouble on the feet, like you know, with the Trinaldo fight, the Mustafa fight, and you know, he shoots these takedowns from a little bit far out and. I just think Tony stuffs that shit, man. And uh but hey man, I'd be I'd be happy to see Kevin Lee pull off the upset, man. I really like Kevin a lot. Like I said earlier, I think he's super marketable, but that doesn't matter. But um, I'm I'm going to take Tony in this one.
0: Yeah, this is uh, an unbelievable fight and you know, I've been on Tony Ferguson for a lot of his fights leading up to this point. The RDA fight, the Barboza fight, and the Josh Thompson fight, the Abel fight, so many fights. But I'm going to actually go the opposite way here. And it's one of these situations where, you know, I could see Tony Ferguson going out there, establishing that jab, getting funky in there, and knocking out Kevin Lee. We've seen Kevin Lee get knocked out before. I could also see a scenario where, you know, like you mentioned, Kevin Lee does like to shoot a lot of takedowns from very far away, kind of like he did in the Trinaldo fight. And Tony Ferguson snap down city could snap down to a darst. These are possibilities, but I see major improvement in Kevin Lee fight by fight. You go in there and you watch the fight against Leo Santos. Now let's talk about right before the Leo Santos fight. So going in in that fight, he was a minus five hundred favorite. Why, why was he a minus five hundred favorite against an undefeated fighter in Leo Santos? The reason was because look, he was on an unbelievable streak he was only you know 21 to 23 years old he was just a kid he showed so much promise he went out there he had to take his first loss you know his first real loss you know the fight with Al Aikenta he choked Al Aikenta unconscious and the ref didn't call it and Al came back to life and won the third round his first real loss was against Leo Santos and, uh, you know, everyone's got to take that first loss. And I know, you know, Shaq, we, we thought he was done because he was saying shit like early stoppage. But I think that's just his personality, man, because I'm not going to sit here and act like the kid doesn't work hard. He works hard as fuck. That's why he's in the position he's in. But I challenge everyone to go watch the Leo Santos fight and then go watch the Michael Chiesa fight. It's a night and day completely different guy. His physique is different, his poise inside the octagon is different, his maturity, just everything. It doesn't even look like the same fighter. And in the Kiesa fight, you know, it's one thing to take Kiesa's back, which is obviously a big deal, but you know, he wasn't just in there, you know, trying to set up the choke and then he found it got lucky or whatever. His ground and pound was some of the most vicious ground and pound that I've seen in a very long time. I haven't I haven't seen ground and pound like that in a while, Shaq, and it was very alarming and I think that he can finish a lot of fights like that and obviously I've been on the Tony Ferguson train for a while, but I think this is the kind of guy that can exploit you know, all the holes that uh, Tony Ferguson, all the openings that Tony Ferguson leaves open. You know, for example, you watch the fight with Danny Castillo, and I know he's come a long way since then, and I've actually had to defend him in that fight and the other fights that I've bet on Tony. But here, here's the thing with that fight he was, you know, trying to get off on his cocky shit. And then he'd get neutralized. You know, the Eddie Bravo, the Grammy Rolls, all that stuff was getting neutralized by Danny Castillo because Danny Castillo didn't give a fuck about anything else but laying on him. You know, a guy like Abel Trujillo, you know, it's like, he just wants to go in there and take your head off. You know, a guy like Josh Thompson, he's cut up in the first thirty seconds and doesn't know where he is. Edson Barbosa, you know, he was panicking. But a guy like Kevin Lee, his only goal is to get on top of you and when he does get on top of you he's one of the most vicious guys in the ufc so with tony being a guy that is comfortable going to his back and he does want to try a bunch of dumb shit it it works in most of the fights and hey if he makes it work here much respect but i think tony i think that kevin lee's the kind of guy that can neutralize that and when he gets on top i think he can he can do some serious damage on tony ferguson so when it was plus two hundred look i'm not sitting here max betting it i'm not even putting a two units on it i just put one unit at plus two hundred you know everyone and their mom is on uh... tony ferguson here so you know big vegas casinos weren't built on everyone being on the same side if i'm wrong i'm wrong look i'm a big for the year i'm a long-term winner. It's not a big deal i'm probably gonna cash my bets earlier on the card it is what it is at plus two hundred i have to take the shot to find out if kevin lee is the guy to expose the openings and the holes of tony ferguson because not just the danny castillo fight that i mentioned what about the lando Venata fight i mean lando Venata, he's not even a 500 fighter in the ufc he has a losing record in the ufc he dropped tony ferguson 10 1050 times in that fight so you know and kevin lee went out there he ended the streak of trinaldo and it's not just the choke he rocked him with a head kick kevin lee's not a slouch i know once again, he got knocked out by Leo Santos. Do what I said earlier, compare that fight to the Chiesa fight, and also accept the fact that Leo Santos is an undefeated UFC fighter. Leo Santos is no slouch. Leo Santos comes to fight. Leo Santos is experienced. So I don't hold that against Kevin Lee. With all that said, I'm taking the one-unit shot at plus 200, Jack.
1: Yeah, man, uh, I hope you win that shot. But, uh, <clears throat> you know... Uh... Yeah, you know, I I just, uh, you know, when I see Tony losing, I see it by a KO. Like we said, the Venata, but Kevin Lee strikes nothing like Venata. Venata, Lando, he's got sharp movements. And, you know, when I watch Kevin Lee strike, you know, I, I see him being a little stiff. I don't see his hand. I don't. I think he's confident in his hands, but I just don't think his hands are that good right now. I think they—I don't think they're bad by any means, but I just don't think his hands are good enough to knock Tony out. But um, I just think Tony puts like so much pressure on you, man. Like he just puts so much pressure—you pressure on you—to the point where it's so easy to fall into a panic situation. Hey, but if he can get on top of him and finish him, then I hope he does it. Because you know, I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Kevin Lee here, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I have to go with Tony.
0: So one prelim that we left out, Marco Psycho Beltran. He's a plus 105 underdog, and Matt Schnell is minus 125. Now, Shaq, before we talk about anything else, Matt Schnell opened minus 190, and action came in on Matt Schnell's opponent, and rightfully so. Look, Matt Schnell is one of these guys that, you know, he looks really good. He looks like he's got a, a lot of potential. He's crisp out there. He comes to fight. He's exciting. But his it, it's the chin, man. He, he can't take a solid shot. So with Marco Psycho Beltran, you know, he's the opposite. He's more wild out there. He's crazy. He's reckless. He's a Mexican warrior. He's actually won fights in the UFC. He's been on a three-fight win streak before. He's more experienced. But he's also prone to not just getting knocked out, to getting tapped out, to getting cut in the middle of fights. It's a very interesting matchup. I could see a scenario where Schnell whoops his ass and then just gets randomly knocked out by a grazing jab. I'm not betting on this fight, especially out of Pickham, but what's your opinion on it? Yeah,
1: um, it's funny because I was watching Schnell last night against Rob Font, and It's funny, before the KO, The exchanges were actually close if you actually watch it. Like Schnell actually like landed a couple of folks that like you know, stung uh Rob Font. And you know, Rob Font's a top ten band in my opinion. And uh but yeah, like you said, man, Font is actually I mean not Font, but uh, Schnell is actually very good offensively. It's just when you tag him, he tends to go out, man. (laughs) But uh but uh, what I'm looking at this fight, you know, I, I was telling you about is that under at plus 170 because in Matchnell, ever since his third pro fight, all of his fights have ended in under one and a half, every single last one. Um, I think his record's like maybe 10 and two or I, I'm not exactly sure what his record is, but ever since his th- third pro fight, all of his fights have ended inside uh, in less than one and a half and, you know, that under... One and a half is plus one seventy, man. But uh, it's actually some value on it as well. It opened up at plus one thirty. You know, I think it's going to cash, but man, I got so much, so much other things going on right now. But um, I'm interested to see that uh, cashing.
0: Well, we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, and joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Big Marley, what's going on?
2: Not a lot, man. Excited for some fights.
0: Man, I bet you're excited for some fights, but I bet you're excited for some bigger news. Uh, your wife's due any minute now.
2: It's correct, man. Today is the due date. So, yeah, just waiting uh, waiting for it to happen. And then uh, i got a life changer coming. Wow. Yeah, I'm hoping, uh, hoping it's before this weekend so I can still see these fights.
0: <laughs> you know, congratulations, brother. And, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time out of your day to talk to us during these times. No problem, buddy. Anything for you. You're the man. So dude, I mean, let's get right down to business, man, because look, Tom Duke and versus Cody Stamen, this fight is gonna be a firecracker. I don't really have a read for where the public's going because I heard a lot of people saying that they were gonna pick Cody Stamen. We know that Tom Duke and has a hell of a lot of hype. Firstly, where are they priced? And uh do you have a do you have an opinion on the matchup? Uh
2: yeah, I mean I I like this matchup a lot. Um, I think both these guys have some potential um, I like Dukenwa I think to win the fight but the problem is he's $9,100 on DraftKings and Stamen is towards the bottom at 7100 so that makes me like Stamen there just to get that value so I can get up to those guys at the top um, but the problem is like I said I think Dukenwa wins this fight so I think what I'm just going to do is have a little bit of exposure to both of these guys but I think at that price, I don't see how you could put Duke and Watt in your cash games. I think that's more of a GPP play only.
0: And, you know, two other guys that are for sure going to have a knock are Bobby Green and Lando Venata. I mean, but I'm not sure if it's going to end by knockout or if someone's going to win a decision, if it's going to be back and forth. But either way, are you playing one of these two?
2: Uh, So far, I've been avoiding it my early builds um, just because I don't see how it, plays out either i think it'll probably be a fun fight but i don't see a lot of takedowns happening um so it could be strikes and that's half a point per strike so it probably won't add up as much as i would like so i don't think i'm going to be paying up for venada at 8800 uh, i'd be more likely to just save the money and go with green in that fight but i'm probably going to avoid it
0: banil Darius is fighting evan donna man you know it's so it's such an interesting matchup because A lot of Benil Dariush's fights do not go the distance, win or lose. But with Evan Dunham, most of his fights do go the distance. That's why it's kind of hard for me to gauge if Benny's going to finish the fight or not. So do you stay away from a matchup like this? Do you take the underdog Dunham? Or are you riding with the favorite Benny?
2: Uh, I was originally leaning Dunham. I figured he'd probably be in my cash lineup. Um, But then the odds came out and... I got to thinking about it more and more, and I do think Darius probably wins this fight. Um, I just think that Dunham's probably a good GPP play. If people aren't going to be on him, I don't mind spending uh, the $7,200 on him because I would not be shocked if he won this fight. Uh, I just don't see him dominating this fight or scoring a whole bunch of points, um, and you got to expect Darius to win it. So I'm, I'm probably going to avoid it, uh, but like I said, the last few days, I've been leaning more towards Darius. Uh, And if he can finish this fight, like you said, he usually does, then he'll score a lot of points. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be on those top three guys, so that could be a sneaky play right there playing Darius. Uh, So I don't mind it.
0: And speaking of uh, a finisher, you know Walt Harris is on this card too, but are we uh, getting charged up the ass to play him here?
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's $9,200 on uh, DraftKings, but I don't mind it, man. I think he gets probably a first round finish. and. That's uh, 90 points for a first-round finish. I'm thinking it's a knockout, so you're going to get the 10 points for the knockdown and however many strikes he throws. So I think he's going to be over 100 points. He's one of my favorite players on the card. I'm not going to have any Godbeer, even though he has an amazing last name. (laughs) He won't be on any of my lineups. So yeah, I like Harris a lot.
0: I've heard a lot of conflicting opinions on Derek Lewis versus Wardun because, look, Derek Lewis, it can be ugly. It doesn't look the prettiest. But he finds a way to win. He's got some of the mo- he's got a lot of the most knockouts in the heavyweight division. And with War Doom, I mean, I think he's very underrated. I know he's a favorite in this fight, but War Doom whoops dudes' asses, and I can see him whooping Derek Lewis's ass unless he gets caught. And if he gets caught by the Black Beast, it could be detrimental. Are you playing both guys, or are you leaning away?
2: I'm um. Oh, I don't know, man. This one's tricky because I do think Verdum's a better fighter all around. Um, so it makes me want to pick him. However, he's $8,700 on DraftKings. And, you know, my rule is 10X. So at $8,700, he needs to score more than 87 points for me to really have that value. And I don't know if he can do that. I man. he just doesn't. He's not active enough. I don't see him getting that many takedowns over Lewis. So it's probably going to be picking him apart. Uh, on the outside which does not score a whole lot of points so that makes me lean towards lewis because he's priced at 7500 and if he wins he's going to be finishing verdun most likely and it will not be hard to pay off that price tag if he wins so this is a real tricky one i think lewis is probably the better gpp play just because he's more likely to hit value if he wins um but like the fights earlier i think verdun probably wins this fight so Makes me not want to pick Lewis.
0: Look, Schnell and Beltran—they're going to have a knock. Someone, someone's getting finished in this fight. I just don't know who. And uh, I mean, do, do you put both guys on separate lineups? Do you stay away? What, what are you thinking, man?
2: Uh, I'm I'm leaning towards Schnell in this one. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, and I think we probably will in this one. And it's a cl- it's a closely priced fight on DraftKings. He's only two hundred dollars more than Beltran. So if I'm picking on to win the fight for sure, I think I, I think $8,200 is a fair price. And if he's going to get that finished, then it's going to be paying off that $8,200 price tag as well. So I like Snow in this one. I don't mind him in cash or GPP, actually.
0: And, you know, look, I'm betting on Brad Tavares, but, you know, he's not necessarily known for finishing fights. You Do just stay away from a fight like this from DraftKings?
2: Yeah, man, I think it's probably a good bet. I like uh, him to win this fight, but he just does not score enough points in his fights. Uh, Let me see here. His last fight, he won, and he got 62 points. The fight before that, he had 53. Going back to the fight, he won before that. It was only 60, so I don't want that on my lineup. I would rather just bet it like you said, man. You probably got the right way of going about winning money on that fight is just by betting it and not putting him in any lineups.
0: Last but not least... Is there, a, is there a sleeper in this main event here?
2: Uh, I mean, I would yeah. I mean, if, it, if Ferguson wouldn't be a sleeper, <laughs> so I know that's not the route you're looking at. I guess. But yeah, I don't <laughs> mind Lee at All in this fight, uh, if he wins, he's for sure paying off that seventy three hundred dollar price tag. I would not be shocked if he won. Um, I'm kind of hoping everybody's on Ferguson and Lee will be under owned because then I'll definitely have them. And uh, some of my lineups, but my strategy on this fight is to go all in. So if I'm making 10 lineups, I'm going to have 10 lineups with one of these guys in each one of them. So maybe that means four Lee, six Ferguson, but whoever wins this is for sure going to score probably over 100 points, I'm thinking. And they're both going to pay off that price tag that they're at. So if you like Lee, I think he's almost a must-have because... That opens up so much value at the top for you to get in some other favorites. So I don't mind that lead play at all.
0: Well, Kyle Marley, that's why that's why you're the half the battle DraftKings guy. That's why we have the Big Marley minute. Follow this man at Big Marley Three. Kyle, any message for the fans before we speak next week? Hey,
2: good luck, man. If I don't win the tournament, hopefully one of you
0: guys do. Hey man, and uh send my wishes to the old lady and congratulations to your family. Much love, brother, and we'll speak soon.
2: Thanks, appreciate it, take
0: care And there he is, Kyle Marley, killing it again Last week he uh, he hit a 7k plus DraftKings tournament So you, you know why uh, why he's the best in the biz, Shaq?
1: I mean, yeah, Kyle is uh, no slouch Kyle comes to gamble, I mean, Kyle is experienced
0: Indeed, so we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC 216?
1: Man, the uh, fight to watch, man. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say, Bobby Green versus Lando Venata, man. Uh, I think uh, if Lando could get this win, which I think he's gonna do, I think that's a. Even though Bobby Green's on a three-fight losing streak, I think that's a credible win because, I mean, look at Bobby's last three opponents. Edson Barbosa, Dustin Poirier, and Rasheed Magomedov. And, I mean, if Lando can add his name to the list of the guys that beat him, then that's a big win for him at, you know, at so young in his career. And his last fight, man, I actually gained a lot of respect for him because that was a straight war they put on. And I'm um, interested to see a Bobby with his back against the wall, with all the stuff he has going on in his life. I can show up just one last time and put on an old classic Bobby Green performance.
0: My fight to watch is Benil Dariush versus Evan Dunham. I mean, any time Benil Dariush fights, win or lose, it's going to be an exciting fight. And Evan Dunham, he's one of these rugged... I was going to say journeyman, but he's one of these rugged workmen who, you know, you might get his ass whooped in that first round, but he's still in there in the second and third. And they're going to have a knock, plain and simple. So, Benil Dariush versus Evan Dunham is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who's your fighter to watch?
1: Man, my fighter to watch is going to be Cody stamen man. Um, this, is, this is a real fight here, man. They put this fight on for a reason because, look, obviously, was- they tell could be a superstar in europe if he wins this fight and i mean he kind of already is a superstar and then you know when cody stamens getting comparisons to the number one contender jimmy rivera i mean that's serious i mean that's the type of potential sean shelby season. in man, and you know the winner of this fight is gonna be is gonna move up seriously in the rankings man they put this on for a reason and uh um, I think Cody's going to get the job done. It's going to be a serious knock, man. They're going to... Both guys are going to wobble. Just put it that way. Both guys are going to get cut, bleed, and somebody's probably going to get knocked the fuck out or just be a complete war. But uh, I think Cody statement's the fight to watch. Like I said before, his fight against Tyrion, where there's a reason why, you know, I parlayed a newcomer at minus 270 at that high of a line because I just saw the guy being completely well-rounded. I didn't see any specific, like, real weakness in his game. And maybe it Dukenwa exposes that, but I don't think so, man. I think Cody's the real deal, and I think he's going to uh, pull off the upset.
0: Well, your fighter to watch is Cody Stamen. My fighter to watch is Tom, the fire kid Dukenwa. I mean, he's got so much hype behind him. He was the biggest favorite for a UFC debutant in UFC history. I mean, he was like minus 1,200 in his UFC debut. So now that he's got the octagon jitters behind him, he's got a chance to go out here and not just get a win, but defeat a guy in Cody Stamen, who's 15-1. and one. And if he can go out there, get this knockout victory, he's going to prove that he's legit because everyone's been talking about him for a long time. Shaq, people told me that he could beat Tomas Almeida today. So if that's true, he's got to get past Cody Stammen. So for that reason... He is my fighter to watch. Now, Shaq, we did it, man. It's going down this Saturday. UFC 216. Cannot wait. Any message for the fans, bro? Uh, yeah, man. Just,
1: you know, thanks for all the uh, good tweets I get, the supportive tweets, and, you know, I'm. You know, last week uh, or the last card, I took a little bit of a hit with that that Luke Jumo, out, but it is what it is. I always bounce back like a champion, and that's what I'm gonna do. But you know, follow me at uh, MMA Genius05, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna win this weekend.
0: Yes, sir, we are. And you know, Shaq took a hit, but he's gonna bounce back like the three time mm-hmm. world champion that he is. I had a good weekend. You know, Jumo sucked, but the OSP under cashed thanks to yushin okami you know when i plan on cashing an under i plan I, you know i'm banking on a miracle i'm banking on him you know on, on ovince to catch him with an uppercut but when yushin decides to go out there and pull guard in the first 10 seconds and get von, von Fluid, you know i want to take yushin out uh, for to dinner so thank you very much yushin and uh the maestro dong young kim he came through as well you know anytime gomi fights please keep fighting So to all the fans, make sure you follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shaq and I are about to record the Bellator edition of Half the Battle because Manny Sanchez is about to do work. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.